Bless the Lord. Um, John, thank you for what you said. Um, I've been off for a couple of weeks from work and, and whatever. And, and, and I've been thinking about the, is it the five mountains? Seven mountains. You know, and been praying into the seven mountains, you know, media, culture, finances, and, and, and also looking into Jesus, you know, what you look at you, you, and think about, you, be, you end up becoming. Um, I did my sergeant's exam, I did my inspector's exam some years ago. And what they said to me was, copy this lad, copy this lad, you won't go wrong. And so when I did, the, 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 the exam was on two parts. The law, I passed the law easy enough. Oh, aren't I good? <laughs> you know, so that was easy. Um, the practical is where you have to deal with a scenario-based situation. And, um, and so I did what this guy said. And, and I did everything as he would have done it. Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah. And I had a 1,200 in the country. I came 1100th and like 99 <laughs> because I copied somebody who wasn't worth copying. <laughs> he, he's now chief superintendent. <laughs> he was true to himself. I did it the following year and I thought, I'm going to be myself. And I came first out of Staffordshire County and 12th out of the country because I realised not worth copying some folk. Yeah. And, and I've been reading about, as you, you know, through the prophetic word this morning, looking, what you look at, you behold, and what you behold, you become. And I, I remember taking a picture of 1970, whatever it was, to the barbers. It was a picture of Roger Moore. And I said, can you make my hair like his? <laughs> I, you know, I wanted to become, but that I wasn't. And the only thing to worth to become... <laughs> Is the Lord, and so what, the bottom line is, what you look at, you'll end up. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd look good for half an hour until the wind blew it out. Anyway, thanks, great words, great, and um, work with it. Eh? Work with it. Yeah, I, I did have a perm once as well, and I think that's where it went wrong. 1979. Anyway, time is eking on. Uh, Luke eight. 2239. One day Jesus said to his disciples, oh, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and started out. As they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. And that's how we, I think he's, I think sometimes in my own life, he's having a bit of a nap, you know. And, and, and a, a fierce storm comes on the lake, and the boat was filling with water. And they were in real danger. Disciples went and woke him. Master, Master, we're going to drown. And when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves. Suddenly the storm stopped and all was calm. Then he asked them, where's your faith? Oh, the disciples were terrified and amazed. Who is this man? They asked each other. When he gives a command, even the wind and the waves obey him. So they arrived in the region of the Gerasenes, across the lake from Galilee. 
As Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. For a long time he had been homeless and naked, living in the tombs outside the town. As soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down in front of him. Then he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. This spirit had often taken control of the man. Even when he was placed under guard and put in chains and shackles, he simply broke them and rushed out into the wilderness, completely under the demon's power. Jesus demanded, what is your name? Legion, he replied, for he was filled with many demons. The demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby and the demons begged him to let them enter into the pigs. So Jesus gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs and the entire herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw it, they fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who had been freed from the demons. He was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what had happened told the others how the demon-possessed man had been healed. And all the people in the region of the Gerasenes or Gerasenes begged Jesus to go away and leave them alone. For a great wave of fear swept over them. So Jesus returned to the boat and left, crossing back the other side of the lake. The man who had been freed from the demons begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him home saying, No, go back to your family and tell them everything God has done for you. So he went all through the town proclaiming the great things Jesus had done for him. What I want to speak on this morning is don't let the opportunity pass you by. C.J. Sansom, don't know if everybody heard of him, is, a, is an author, great writer, but he writes a book on, it's like a what if. What if the 1948, 1940 war wasn't won by the West, but by Germany? And he writes a, a novel that actually German won. The Germans won everything. And, and, and Britain and other nations actually are now subject to German rule because they, they, they won. At the Cenotaph, it was <coughs> proclaiming the loss of German soldiers. So many things just changed around. It was a what if? What if, if that could have happened? Barbara Streisand sings to Sir Leon Dion or the other way around and she is saying I love this man and what shall I do and and Barbara Streisand says well tell him tell him tell him what tell him that the sun and moon shines in his eyes all this rubbish softness <laughs> or loveliness sorry <laughs> tell him how you feel take the opportunity before it goes Carpe diem, seize the day, seize the moment, 
The SAS, who dares wins. Or are we more a manana tomorrow? Procrastination. Let's talk about it, but let's do it tomorrow because we'll have nothing to do. What happens if opportunities we took instead of leaving? What happens if Germany had have won? It's all hypothetical. But we are based, life is based on opportunities. Do you remember? You won't remember. Opportunity knocks. You agree green. There he is. Is opportunity going to knock for you? It's the, it's the 70s version of X Factor. And here he is, old Bobby. Opportunity knocked for him. And he made some money out. Where he is, I don't know now. But yet, life is full of missed opportunities. If only, if only. Read the other day, and the one record company was offered to take U2 on, and they went, no, they'll never make it. Look at U2 now, one of the best rock bands going. The Beatles, they were declined by previous people. Opportunities that they missed where could they have been now? George Michael, he sings the song, A Different Corner. If I'd have gone that way, what could have happened? But I went that way. I went left and not right. I know when I left, um, I left Staffordshire Police. I, you know, you mostly know, I was with West Mids for 10 years. I joined Staffs for 10 years and I regretted it. But after a while, after, well, after 10 years, I thought, I'm going to go back to the West Mids. And that was a major mistake in many respects. It was a major mistake. And I'd go out, literally, out my house and turn towards Womburn, because I worked in Womburn. And then I realised, I actually, I work in Birmingham. And, and for some years, I struggled because I thought I'd made the biggest mistake in my life. I took an opportunity and, and sometimes I think oh, maybe I shouldn't have done it. I went left and I should have gone right. We've been watching a programme on BBC called Crossfire. Everybody's watched it. I wouldn't waste it three hours, to be honest. I can tell the answer. <laughs> but it's, it's three families. And this lady in one family are friends with another family, but she fancied the husband and vice versa. And so they, she says, let's book a holiday abroad. And obviously there's ulterior motives for her and for this, this man. So they book a holiday on a resort. But what they don't know, that in the resort, there's two young men who go on a shooting spree. And they start to kill people within the resort. And at the end of it, when so many people have died and have come back home and... She's found out that she was obviously trying to get off with this other man's, other lady's husband. She said, if only I hadn't done it. I saw opportunities to extend our relationship. And so many people in our family have ended up dead. And she was feeling mortified because she went left and she should have gone right. She created opportunities that she shouldn't have taken. COVID-19, that dreaded COVID-19. How many of us 
have lost opportunities? How many businesses went down the pan because of it? How many families didn't see their loved ones dying because the fear of COVID? You can't see them. Opportunities were taken away. And I've often thought if I could see my younger self and I would say, you know what, don't worry about anything. It's not worth it. Even if you mess up, it's not worth it. God's got your back. But so often, it's the what ifs. What happens if I'd have took that opportunity? What happens if Bobby Crush hadn't have taken it? Oh, hurrah. (laughs) (laughs) But we were subject to Bobby Crush. (laughs) Or what happens if Adam and Eve in the garden? What happens if they hadn't have listened to Satan? We've got creative writers here. John's got a book, Ian's got a book, Jan's got a book. Jen's got books galore within her. I did a thesis, that'll do me. <laughs> I don't think I've got a book in me. But let your imagination run wild. We listened to Geoffrey Archer the other day on Radio 2. And he, he says, I listen to what people say. And what they say creates a book within me. And he said, one of the funniest things, he said, I was, I don't know if he was in a taxi or wherever it was, and this throwaway comment was, what happens if there was a murder and the foreman of the jury was the murderer? And he wrote a book out of that. Because he had a creative way of developing a thought. And I've been thinking about what ifs. I know it's hypothetical because we know what happens. But what if... Adam and Eve said actually to Satan we were quite happy as we are thank you but there's a tree amongst the garden you can eat and you will be like God but we don't want to be like God we're quite happy in our relationship with God why do we want to be like him when we walk with him and he would have pushed it and he'd have pushed it to the point where they ate of the tree. But what was if they hadn't have eaten it or eaten from it? Where would we be? Where would life be? Cain wouldn't have slain Abel. Noah wouldn't have existed. And so on and so on and so on. Depends how far you want to go with it. But Satan has always used the same ploy you, to, to mankind. You can be as God. Tower of Babel. You can be as God. You don't need a God. Create your own gods. Even with Jesus, what does he say? If you are God. And he offers the same today. That picture there is a transhumanism person. Transhuman, what's that got to do with anything? What's that got to do with society? Well, the Guardian. This is what I found the other day. No death. And an enhanced life is the future transhuman. Ultimately, by merging man and machine, science will produce humans who have vastly increased intelligence, strength and lifespans and near embodiment of gods. It's the same lie. J.D. Frog, I think Jan put it on the podcast the other day. Listen to J.D. Frog's latest um, prophetic talk and he talks about transhumanism and he says where's the where is the knowledge coming from it's coming from satan himself because it's the lie perpetuated from the garden you can be as gods and that is the opportunity society's taking today 
That's where we can go. Oh, what happens there is Moses and the children of Israel and they're at Mount Sinai and they say, Moses, actually we want the same relationship with God that you've got. Yeah, he's a bit scary and he's come on a mountain top and he's freaking us out a bit. But actually you go up the mountain and you come back down and your face is glowing. We want what you've got, Moses. How life would have been different. There'd have been no law. There'd have been just relationships. Total relationship. But they said, no, we want the law. Because the law is safe. The law is secure. The law helps us. We don't want relationship. That's, that's life. We don't want that. I don't know if you're aware, and I read this the other day. Children of Israel come out of Egypt with all the gold of the Egyptians. <coughs> they, go through, um, they go through the Red Sea. They go through the wilderness. They come to Mount Sinai. You hear nothing about the gold. The moment they ask for a law... God says, don't make graven images. Moses goes back up to the mountain. Next thing is they're creating a graven image. Because the law has just brought death. That's what Paul says. The law will bring death. So choose the tree of life. Ah, but we want to eat from the tree of good and evil. We want to eat from the tree of the law because it's safe. But what happens if they hadn't have eaten it? Where would the church be? You wouldn't have had Galatians. Because Galatians is all about the church trying to understand and, and, and work out the law with relationship with, with God. You wouldn't have half of the Old Testament because it's all about the children of Israel and law and disobeying the law. If they'd have said, God, we want a relationship. But as soon as they got the law, it brought death. Most of us wouldn't be struggling with Christian legalism like it's imposed upon us. Read this article the other day. God is preparing the way for a radical transformation of the church and the radical transformation of biblical teaching. Moving away from rules-based understanding, Mount Sinai, the tree of law. Moving away from the rules-based understanding of the word of God to a relational-based understanding. In other words... From law to grace. And what this article says. Is that God is using. A small church. To bring about grace. Because so many times in the big church. It's based on law. Because I need to control as a pastor my people. So I'll bring laws in. And that's what these people are saying. God is bringing the small back. So we can start to eat the tree of life. Not the tree of the law. Or. What about Joseph. Now I feel sorry for Joseph because Joseph had a prophetic word that he was going to, you know, his, his family going to bow down and, and all that sort of stuff. He tells his family, they hate him for it, they sell him as a slave, he's sold into prison, he gets a bloke out of prison by helping him, by giving him a prophetic word. This bloke forgets him and you think, this, Joseph, I feel sorry for you. He's then brought into Potiphar's house. He is, he is promoted. And Potiphar's wife gives him the eye. Now, I'm going to say he deserves a bit of love, I think. He deserves a bit of compassion. He deserves a bit of... Look, Joseph, no one's going to know. You've been in jail. Not your fault. 
You, you were faithful to God. He got you in prison. Who's going to know about your integrity? Wonder what would have happened if he'd have said, "Yeah, I deserve a bit of compassion and kindness," but no, he ran off. And he said, "You may be a Solomon in wisdom, or David in praise, or Abraham in faith, or Joshua in war, but if you're not Joseph in discipline, you'll end up like Solomon in destruction." What happens if David would have said no to Bathsheba? What happens if Solomon wouldn't have had a thousand wives? What? We don't know. But these are opportunities they took. But life could have gone differently. In our reading, Jesus says this. Let's cross to the other side. You know, for you and for me, I have to read scriptures and it's, it's totally unremarkable. Because I'm not a Jew. I don't understand the Jewish mindset. You try to... But here was a one, two, three, four, five, seven, eight words that would have petrified the disciples. It would have absolutely petrified them. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. Let's cross over to the other side. This was going to be a major learning opportunity for Jesus and for the disciples. But they could have missed it. They could have completely missed it. The Jews, you're probably aware, don't like water. They're, they're not a water um, nation like us. You know, we had the Armada, not the Armada, it was the Spanish. You know, we had Drake and all this sort of stuff. You can see what I was watching the other day. No, we're not Spanish. Get that in my head, we're English. Yeah. And Drake and, and, and uh, Francis Chichis, all these, we are a, a nation that love water. The Jews do not love water. So much so, the word water in Hebrew is mem. And mem means chaos. They don't like water at all. They know the story of Jonah. And they know that under the sea, there's big fish that'll eat you alive. We don't want to go there. They know full well that when they came out of Egypt... And they went through the Red Sea. Thousands of Egyptians died. They know water is chaos. They know, and we don't go near it. They even know that even fishermen on the Sea of Galilee, because of the topography of the land, they will not go into the depths of the water. They fish on the sides. Because they know full well that, like that, the weather can change. And it's been known to have 20-foot swells. 20-foot swells in the middle of the ocean, or the sea, which is 80-odd foot deep. In a fishing boat, there's a good chance you would die. And they know that. So when Jesus says, let's go across, no, 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 Jesus, we don't go across. We don't do across. We'll go round. But Jesus, no, this is your opportunity to trust me. This is your opportunity to put your faith in me. And so they said, okay, you are a rabbi. And obviously I'm reading between the lines here. You're our rabbi. We'll do what you say. And so not long into the journey, we know for well happens, the, 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 the storm comes, Jesus is asleep, and the disciples are absolutely petrified. Now there are those who believe, and I can understand where they get this idea from, that the storm itself was demonic in origin. It wasn't just a natural storm. It was a demonic 
storm because the other side where Jesus was going to go was a place where good Jews don't go to. It was the place where this man was demon-possessed, holding not a town but a city in absolute fear. And Jesus was going to go and give this man the opportunity of finding freedom. But the disciples, being good Jews, said, we don't go to the other side because that's where the pagans live. That's where devil worship goes on. That's where they sacrifice to Molech. Children, we don't do that. We thought COVID lockdown was bad enough, you know, but they, as, as, as a nation, uh, these Genesarenes or the Gadarenes, they were in complete lockdown of fear because one man through Satan held in captivity. We know scripture says, Jesus said, Satan will seek to destroy He'll destroy your opportunities. He'll destroy my opportunities. I look back at my life and I think some of the opportunities I've screwed up massively because I let the devil tempt me. Messed up massively. But Jesus said, I've come to give life. And he he was going to give this man the opportunity of finding freedom. And then we know the story. They're on the boat. Jesus stands up calms the sea, calms the waves, and he said they marvelled. They would have missed that had they have stayed on the side. If they had stayed on the side where it's safe, they would not have seen Jesus' power over nature. And I think of me and Jen, and Anita, Jamie, and Rob, and Anna, five years ago when we started this church, we were told by the naysayers, stay on the side. Stay where it's safe. Fish in this little bit. But don't get going across the lake. Stay where we are. And that's what we were told to do. Stay where we were at the time. But we listened to Judy Ayers. And Judy said to us at the time, take the opportunity. This is an opportunity. What happens if it's wrong? So what? What are you going to lose? You've got more to gain than more to lose. And the disciples could have stayed on the edge and said, Jesus, we don't go across the lake and we certainly don't go to the other side because that's where the pagans were. But they said, we'll do it. They saw major, massive things that they would have missed and they'd have played it safe. I worked in the police, as you know, for 10 years of my career. I... I'd done a CID course, I'd been attachments, I was an advanced police driver, I don't know, um, I was a sergeant. Things worked well for me. I worked with other blokes who never moved. They stayed where they were because it was safe to stay on the water's edge. You know, have you missed opportunities? As I said, I've missed loads, I've messed up loads. And I spent a few years of my life walking forward but looking back. Walking forward, oh yes, I went to work and all this sort of stuff, but my brain, there's a cog going over and over again. Regrets, regrets, regrets. And it took me some years to get out of that mindset. And one of the things that got me out of the mindset was the fact knowing that God is the God of the second chance. And the third chance, and the fourth chance, and the fifth chance. And you know, we'll never know what it's like 
or we'll never know the outcome of our taking the opportunities that God gives us. Sometimes we won't know the outcome. Sometimes it'll, it'll, we'll only know in eternity. But if we are faithful to God, if we, like Jesus says, cross over, break away from your fears, go to the other side, whatever that other side is, there will be an eternal benefit. For this area where this demonic man was, Jesus encountered him. Because of his encounter with Jesus, the locals knew the power of God was greater than the power of Satan. They knew what it was like to fear God and no longer fear Satan. They actually said to Jesus, go away, because you scare us. A few chapters later, Jesus goes back and there's revival. Because the man who was set free went and told his story of an opportunity that he took. And he encountered God. And some of us fail to take the opportunities that God gives us because it's safer on the side. It is safer. It's always safer. We went on holiday to Devon. And I must say, I don't like swimming in the sea because I think there's things under there that's going to drag you down and take you to their lair. (laughs) (laughs) So so I'll paddle. (laughs) So I'll paddle because it's safe. And I saw Jin out swimming and I thought, I'm waiting for it to get sucked under. And <laughs> I knew where the money was, so I was okay. <laughs> I always make sure of that. But after a bit, I thought, this is, this is stupid, this is. And so the, the second or third day, I went in, underwater, quick, quick, got out and back on the side. I couldn't do it the day after. But the day after that, I thought, I do it. And every day thereafter, we went in out of our depth, and I still kept thinking there's going to be something, there's going to be something. <laughs> but you know, I think actually it was, it was practically safer out there than on the side. It was safer. Going back, and I do finish now, you know, we, we don't want to move sometimes out of fear. Or we're told. It's not right. It's not the time. And that's what we told us. It's not the time. Well, when is the time? And they said, well, we don't know. Another year, maybe. Well, if we stay on the side with you, what are you going to do to help us? Oh, nothing. So we might as well just take the chance of the opportunity. And, and five years down the road, we're so blessed by God. So blessed. But sometimes people won't move out for fear. What happens if I get it wrong? What happens if God will drop his clog on me and go, can't even trust you to do that? Well, the Bible says there's no fear in love because fear has to do with punishment. And I think if you read the story and know the parable of the talents, it was the one who didn't do anything about the visitatoring who got told off. The others, because they were faithful. That's all God didn't say. Oh, you've done it. That you know the, the man didn't say. Oh, you've doubled your money. Well done. I expected. He said, No, I expected faithfulness. Leave the results up to me. Reinhard Bonnke, a great evangelist who's, who's recently died, said this. He said, I wasn't the first person to be asked to go to Africa. I wasn't even the second person. I was the third person. 
So two people would have probably watched him and said, that should have been me. But I wanted to play it safe. God will always find a willing person. If you don't want to do it, somebody else will. But obviously God has called you and me to take the opportunities. Now I know some opportunities are not of God. Satan will throw opportunities in. Man will throw opportunities in just to distract you from. And that's what it said with Jesus when he went to the other side. He was fixed on this man. When he went to the cross, he was fixed on the cross. So opportunities will come and they are not of God. They're of man or of demons. But when you've got the round peg and the round hole and you know it's right, take the opportunity. Just take it. What have you got to lose? Amen.